This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Welcome to the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, co-founder and editorial director of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, Jamie Bogner. I am in Memphis, Tennessee today. Uh, super excited to be here. I'm, I'm, uh, the occasion is the twenty my 25th college reunion. I, I went to Rhodes College here in Memphis. And so back in town to celebrate that and see some old friends. And while I was here, I thought, you know what? I need to talk to some brewers. And the first person I contacted about that was Kelvin Kohlheim of Beale Street Brewing. Welcome to the podcast, Kelvin. Thanks, Jamie. I'm glad to be here. So we first met, la- I guess it was 2020, in Richmond, Virginia, and you came out to the Brewery Accelerator event in Richmond, and we drank some, tried some of your beer, and uh, you know, I loved that. I hope that experience was useful for you. You are in an interesting place in this brewery development. You are, you have a beer brand. You are releasing beer in the market um, right now. It's brewed at another brewing facility, uh, but obviously you will, you work on those recipes. You come out of that brewing history. Uh, we're going to talk about the way that you uh, design beers. We're going to talk about the way that Beale Street uh, you know, connects craft beer with audiences that may not be typical craft beer consumers. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of fun there. And uh, certainly, I'm going to reflect on some of my history here in Memphis because it was such a pivotal place uh, You know, for me, certainly becoming, turning 21 in this town and trying to seek out <laughs> craft beer in 1995, 96. Oh, you know, that was an interesting challenge. Yes, sir. Very interesting <laughs> challenge. We're going to dive into that, but before we do that, like your flagship beer, you can rely on G&D chillers for the same quality and consistency. G&D guarantees that every chiller they build will hit 28 degrees without breaking a sweat. They never stop. They draft. They craft. They service each and every brewery, big or small all in an effort to build one hell of a chiller. For nearly 30 years, G&D's been committed to cold. Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com. This episode is also brought to you by BSG Hop Solutions. Meet the latest in BSG Hop Solutions portfolio, Sativa. Strong expressions of stone fruit, floral, and resinous pine flavors and aromas define this blend, crafted specifically for use in hazy IPAs and other hop-forward beers. Sativa is ideal for aroma, whirlpool, and dry hop additions to hazy and juicy IPAs or any other hoppy styles where a combination of citrus, tropical fruit, and pine aromatics are desired. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more or call 1-800-374-2739. It's funny, we're here in the South Main District of Memphis and only like a block and a half away from WEVL, the community radio station here in Memphis. Um, back in 1993, I started doing a community radio show playing ska music and indie rock on WEVL from midnight to 2 a.m. You know, that at that point, uh, you know, music was you know, music still is a passion for me. Um, I didn't think that anything professionally in any kind of capacity would ever come out of doing community or college radio shows. Uh, and yet here I am hosting a podcast uh, years and years and years into this. And so, you know, it's funny how those things come full circle. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Shout out to Weevil. I love it. Love it. Love it. It was such an amazing time. I came on. My show started after uh, Don, who was an Elvis impersonator. 
just play two hours of Elvis music. And that was a show every week, two hours of Elvis music. Mm-hmm. And it was consistently the highest like uh, revenue driver for memberships for that radio station. Like, I mean, far and away. And it was, I mean, you know, it's not, wasn't like Elvis was making new music at the time. It wasn't like, you know, it was just going into Elvis hits and deep cuts. And uh, yeah, it was just, just such an amazing quirky town Mm -hmm. but that's what i love about memphis like this place is just its own place oh absolutely we have a whole lot of soul and character yes definitely unique place for sure yeah you know and it's almost this little island in the middle of the country where you know because it's not on a lot of routes for other things like it just kind of developed its own thing yes sir so uh so tell me about your beer history you know tell me about your journey where uh you know where it started how you got uh you know clued into craft beer and uh you know how it clicked and then how you started developing uh you know that brewing aptitude sure so um, I started, um, well, I'm cooking. Um, I've been cooking with my mom since I was a kid. And I started um, taking culinary classes eight years ago. I'm bad with dates, but maybe eight years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the evenings after my um, job, I was the director of economic development for the Memphis Chamber. Um, so I was going to culinary school at night. And my dad pulled out a menu that I made when I was a kid at Kelvin's Restaurant. Words <laughs> misspelled, um, but it had a menu, 50 cents for green beans and stuff like that. And sure, he gave sure. it to me um, when I started going to culinary school. Just This was before I you know, um, decided I wanted to open a brewery, but that was just a passion I had of cooking and right. the curiosity of flavors and um, learning more. So a friend of mine bought me a homebrew set, the Mr. Beer Kit One Gallon Set. So it sat there for a while, finally opened it, cracked it open, um, went to the beer store. And they're like, you're going to do a lot of the same amount of work. So you might as well get a larger system. So I immediately upgraded and because well, I took the grains. I'm like, are these safe? Are these how, you know, are these fresh? Well, if they don't smell, they should be OK. I'm like, eh, let's let's go ahead and get. Some. So I cook. So let's go ahead and get some fresh grains, you yeah. know. So um, immediately upgraded and bought a bunch of stuff, jumped into it, got the beer bug. And from that day forward, started investing in brewing. So we jumped into a Zymatic just so I could track it, make it digital. It was on my phone, you know, Um, then uh, progressed to, you know, some SS brew tech equipment and um, realized, Oh, shucks. We, you know, it's pretty fun. (laughs) You know, let's, you know, let's, let's, and you can manipulate flavors just like cooking. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So, you know, is it the process of making that you just connected with that, uh, you know, that there was, you know, or were there also specific beers that you were tasting that just sparked this creative idea for you? So I tell you, in college, of course, you know, you drank regular beers. I say regular. <laughs> regular beers. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're talking about. Um, so I drank pretty plenty of regular beer in yes. college. So, you know, so I started, you know, Red Stripe and um, Newcastle was kind of right. out there for me. Um, not a lot of people drank it. I always um, would seek flavors and try different beers. I'm a fan of trying beers, uh, yeah. enthusiast of coffees, wine, spirits. So it was always about flavor with me. You know, I want to try the newest flavor. Just let me, you know, I want to try it and dive into it. Even with food, when I go to a restaurant, I'll, if I have something I really enjoy, I'll go home and reverse it and cook it at home. Yeah. Um, so it's always about mimicking what I like and trying to figure out what I like. So it's always diving in with flavors. And of course I got into hops and yeah, I have a, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. just started ordering hops and just came up with a freezer full of hops. I'm like, 
these one pound bags of hops will go a long way, you know. So, but I was always ordering the Sabro before he's in, even Sabro's. Sure, a, sure. Back a when number. It was the big homebrew hopper. Right? Yeah. Sabro, um, Strata, Galaxy. Of course, you can do all these hops on a, a small scale pretty easy. So, you know, Vic Secret, um, you know, just Azaka, El Dorado. So, you know, it's just trying stuff, trying and, you know, sure. rubbing. I went out to Hop Harvest 2019 and, and that was a heck of an experience, you know. Uh, yeah, it was huge, you know. It was, right, uh, right. yeah, it was a <laughs> life change. Like, oh, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the best brew trips I've had. Um, but, you know, it's constantly trying, just, you know, trying stuff and seeking what you like and what you don't like. And that's how we craft recipes. And, you know, of course, through the culinary side of, or the spirit side, um, you know, of manipulating flavors and just trying things. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk. I like that, you know, kind of approach to create a process being, you know, different people work in different ways. You know, some people envision a flavor and they build ingredients in order to achieve that flavor. And some people taste ingredients are inspired by, you know, what they, what they are tasting mm -hmm. and think about the way that they can recombine those or, you know, adjust and, and build things from those that might take them to a place that they wouldn't have just envisioned separately. Um, you know, what's, what's your creative process look like? It sounds like you're really ingredient inspired on that side. So, um, yes, <laughs> uh, yes to both. Yeah. So, you know, of course I like beer flavored beer, um, and, you know, be able to taste the, the cleanness and the, the subtle notes of beers. And I also like to, you know, not that I love coffee, but, you know, I recently bought a pumpkin spice uh, almond uh, creamer. But sometimes you just want to try a little flavor. But I do like the nuances of drinking straight coffee sure, sure. Um, and different taking the subtle notes and the peanut butter tones and coffees and the cherries or whatever. So uh, it's all about flavor. It depends on what mood you're in. So but building recipes. So you it depends on what you're thinking, and what you're going for. So, um, yes, we do start with a cocktail in mind or a wine in mind or I don't know when this is aired but I'm actually I was literally supposed to brew a peanut butter banana porter today and I moved it back to Tuesday so I could be here with you so oh, we we'll, appreciate we'll, that <laughs> so yeah we're crafting the peanut butter banana porter so um so you sometimes we start at the finish line and yeah, sometimes yeah. we start at the starting block on building recipes and sometimes you work backwards and sometimes you work forwards yeah. so it's no uh, it is a rhyme and reason but um, we do both. Yeah. What, uh, you know, as you were tasting craft beer, you know, in those early days, um, you know, what were some of those kind of pivotal things, pivotal, you know, beers that, uh, you just found connected with that, uh, that seemed to inspire you to explore that further. So in 2001, graduated college, uh, moved to, um, North Little Rock, Arkansas and got a diamond bear, um, IPA. And when I got home and tried it, I was like, sheesh this is you know <laughs> sure, <laughs> what, is, sure. what is this so the so the guy so the guy was like oh yeah this is very hoppy i don't know why he i mean 2001 those yeah, are he's super like, early days right no he didn't say hoppy he didn't use word hoppy says very bitter yeah. i'm like okay cool you know let's try it and um i got it home i'm like sheesh and so i started going back buying other you know beers and zingu was a thing at the time really um so it's just trying, you know, like I say, was seeking those flavors and hmm, it's more to it than just, you know, the micro or uh, macros. So yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. one is really when I started becoming an enthusiast with craft beer. 
Yeah. Um, at what point did you say, hey, we should start a business around this? Um, pretty early on, um, just because Memphis was definitely underserved on the craft beer scene. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and then it was like, oh, man. It has been for a very long time. I, uh, you know, when I, in the mid 90s, when I was here, 95, I turned 21. Mm-hmm. Like, Memphis had some, or Tennessee had some crazy protectionist laws. And, uh, you know, in order to, like, in, any beer sold in the state, like, had to have, like, TN printed on the cap or something crazy like that. And so, like, you couldn't get import beer in the state. Like, I had to drive over the Mississippi River to West Memphis, Arkansas, to a Walgreens liquor store <laughs> just to find Im- import beer, just import beer. Like, you know, craft wasn't even in the the picture there. But then, I guess, by about, yeah, about 90, by 96, my senior year, I was able to like buy like Pete's Wicked Ale, maybe some Burt Grant stuff mm-hmm. that started getting distributed. Get those little Mickey's, <laughs> those little bottles they used to make. Oh yeah. man, I don't remember those. <laughs> but uh, no, I remember buying a keg of Pete's Wicked Summer Ale for a party, not a kegger that we threw on the over on the river uh, channel down there, Channel Three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I had a Pete's Wicked Summer Ale keg, and I mean, my my college friends hated me for that. They hated me so much for mm-hmm. not just buying regular beer. <laughs> Making him drink that weird beer. Um, but you know, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like it was, those were, you know, it's, this place has always been underserved. Mm. And, um, while there are now, uh, more breweries, it's still nowhere near what, what Memphis could sustain for breweries. Yeah. And so to your point, um, we had a, in college, we had a frat party and uh, I was like, oh, let's get Killian's Irish Red. You know, that was, <laughs> and they were like, what the F are you doing? I'm like, right, right. <laughs> he's not in charge of the beer anymore. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. Um, you know, But you, you eventually, you know, you, you find people that are aligned with what you're interested in. And mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, move there. And, of course, over the last 20 years, more and more people have moved in that same kind of direction. And I always like to think it's almost like turning friends on to that band that nobody knew back then. And now they're mm-hmm. huge. And like, you can thank me now that I should, I, you know, pointed you in this direction. Oh, yeah. And now you can say like, <laughs> Oh, I was drinking craft beer back in 1996. You know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, uh, we were there back then and when, um, so you decided to, you know, to start this, uh, this brewery in Memphis and, uh, you know, and make beer for the people. Yeah. So, um, Came up with the name. So we're chewing on a, several names. And I'm like, oh, once again, the green light went off. Where does everyone want to go when they come to Memphis? Bill Street, you know. Where When I have friends in town, we go to Bill, um, listen to music or whatever. So mm, Bill Street, untapped. So let's do it. And somebody asked me, what gives you the right to, you know, have use the name Bill Street? I'm like, well, I don't own the name, but I plan to be a good steward of the name. This is... And I tell you, this is Memphis Brewery. We just plan on being a good steward of the name in the city of Memphis. So um, here we are. You know, you find a, a brand that connects with people and the, that says Memphis and builds that local. It's a local idea, but it's also connected to broader ideas of, of the blues and that kind of connection to, you know, the the broader South. And yeah. And it speaks to the 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 soul and funkiness of Memphis and the, you know, the fabric of Memphis is built around this awesome music scene, um, food scene, culinary scene. So yes, it kind of encapsulates the vibe of Memphis and, you know, one word, Bill street. Oh, I know Bill street, like bourbon street in new Orleans. Yes. You know? Yeah. 
funky little town. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's certainly something that transcends, you know, the city and the region and then and just has a broader consciousness around it. Well, I want to talk about how you, uh, you know, developed a beer program and, you know, figured out the beers that you were going to make and, and uh, you know, that might connect with people. Before we do that, a brewery might have 99 problems, but your fruit supplier shouldn't be one. Old Orchard is already known for their quality concentrates, but they also pride themselves on consistent product and reliable supply. When brewers need assistance, Old Orchard is just an email, phone call, or even a text away. Based in Greater Grand Rapids, Michigan, better known as Beer City USA, Old Orchard is core to the brewing community. To join their fruit family, learn more at www.oldorchard.com slash brewer. Also, are you ready to brew like a pro? Pro Brew has the equipment, systems, and technology take your brewery production to the next level. Check out www.probrew.com for pro carb inline carbonation technology, pro fill rotary filling and seaming can fillers, the Alchemator inline alcohol separation system, seven to 50 barrel brew houses, and more. ProBrew offers the craft beer industry innovative solutions to help you brew like a pro. Go to www.probrew.com for more info. So you decide to start a beer brand from Memphis. You know, obviously there's a few other breweries in town. I mean, when I was here in the mid nineties, it was Bosco's <clears throat> Bosco's brew pub was the only place to find fresh brewed beer in Memphis. And, uh, and it wasn't that great. Um, you know, if I'm from being totally honest, you know, it was, it was nineties brew pub style where like they had one yeast and every beer tasted the same because you, no matter what color it was or what malt they put into it, because they hadn't, figured out yeast management and you know um and so it just you know it was what it was typical brew pub with a house yeast house drain exactly like it's it was not unusual in that 90s country and obviously they're far better at that now than they were then um but i think everyone you know has kind of followed that arc and, and thank you know that is one of the benefits of the kind of industry collaboration that has happened over the last several decades brewers together figured out how to help everybody get better and if everybody gets better then the entire product category the whole world of craft beer is more compelling to consumers in general and uh you know and and now here we are uh like that uh, that was a cool thing and so i don't you know mean it judgmentally uh against those folks it is just a Evans that so you start Bill Street Brew. So yeah, shout out to uh, Bosco's. They're still hanging on, not oh, hanging sure. on, but they're still here rocking and rolling. Uh, yeah, yeah, brewing some good beer. So yeah, we don't want to <laughs> neg them in any way. But I am not humble I'm, beginners, but yeah, they're they're still here. You know, and I've, I've see, I see that over, <laughs> we see that over and over again with all sorts of breweries. Like mm-hmm. just because you start someplace doesn't mean that's where you are now. You know, people grow, people improve, people get better at what they do. They learn. Uh, you know, the, the 90s, like you had some time to learn, mm-hmm. you know, now the, the learning has to happen a little bit faster because the competition is so much tougher. Um, but yeah, you, you know, to be able to survive for that amount of time uh, means they're doing something right. And they are, they are definitely better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a great brewery now. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, even if they, they started back then in that way. So I don't, don't mean to, to throw, don't mean to diss them like that. No, no, no. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so you decide to, start making some beers and mm-hmm. uh you know talk to me about that kind of process so um like we say we jumped in um started i think pale ale, like a pale ale or something was the first beer and then we immediately went to a porter oh let's throw some peanut butter and peanut butter pecan <laughs> and then it was like oh call it no nuts no glory you know so it was <laughs> it was immediately w- went fun with the names and stuff sure, so sure, sure um 
I ordered some um sour uh, some sour yeast from um Barry Tillman, um Black Man Brew out of Dallas. Um he's an awesome brewer. Ordered some yeast from him, made some sour yeast. So we made sours right off the bat, huh. muscadine, dried fig sours, um, tart cherry and Granny Smith apple sour. I'm not gonna tell you the name of those, but <laughs> but yeah, so we just immediately jumped in the um playing with flavors and manipulating flavors. So yeah. On the commercial side, kind of brewed what we like, you know, what we think people like. So our two initial releases were um, a hazy IPA, low IBUs, and then a double IPA, um, more of a West Coast style. It's kind of a clean beer. Um, use some honey malt, so it's a little sweetness on the back end. Um, it's a little more oh, IBU. Honey malt, that's a classic approach. Yeah. <laughs> I love honey malt, so yes. Uh, 100% Centennial Hop, classic piney, resiny. So those are the two beers that we um, – launched on the brand with and people seem to be receptive to them so here we are i love the idea of using something like a hazy ipa as an entree for you know people that may not consider themselves craft beer drinkers that uh, uh you know is that was that a conscious decision yes absolutely um want to do more than just a regular golden nails to start just to show that oh they're really gonna you know brew good beers versus just a you know a light beer golden nail or you know Weed ale, but it's funny you say that because I think that is the there's that assumption that if you want to make a beer that's going to appeal to more people, that you should dumb it down, mm -hmm. you know, that you should go simple. Uh, and in some cases, that's true, but I can also see the value from a brewery perspective in like staking a flavor claim and saying, you know, that if there's not anything that sets you apart, then why would people even make the choice mm -hmm. for your beer? And so by, you know, pushing something that's flavorful, you know, you, you want to also build a little bit of love. Like if people don't love what you do, then they're not going to pay the premium that you're going to need them to pay to go, oh, yeah. you know, you know, choose yours off the shelf. And it's hard to fall in love with something mm -hmm. like a golden ale. You might like drinking it, but you're not going to love it. Oh yeah. So yeah, we definitely went, went heavy on the dry hop side. We hopped it, um, dry hopped the hell out of it. So yeah, it's, um. It's a good beer. Use some good hops when it, um, Citra, Mosaic, and Galaxy. Um, so yeah, it's almost like the cheat code, but those are some. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. You know, if you, if the, you, the uh, hops easy button, right? Yeah, if you use it right, you know, use them right there, uh, pretty good. As you were, uh, kind of formulating a, a base recipe for this hazy IPA, uh, how, where'd you start? Started with, you know, two row, um, added a little. Uh, are there any, uh, particular two rows that you find, uh, compelling? So, we um are limited to what um Lazy Mag doing. We're sure, shout sure. out to Lazy Mag and the you know and the team down there. They're doing an awesome job of taking care of our beers. Um and they let me come down and get in the way and ask a million questions and oversee the process and what we're doing. I'm burning the road up, you know, all day. So it's totally different coming burning from burning the road up all day, going, yeah, going yeah. back and forth. <laughs> yes. Putting more miles on my vehicle than I'd like. Sure. Um but I get to listen to you when I'm on the road, so oh. it's all good. <laughs> so oh. it's all good. Um, so you know, um, on the homebrew, it's totally different. You can, you know, you get sure, these malt sure. um, order men and crystal wire men, and you know, just play with them. But um, we haven't been really selective on the commercial scale of who sure, we utilize sure. for malts. But. They're they're brewing enough that they've got to come into a, a silo, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you start with two row, and then where do you go from there? 
course, we started with two row um, and a ton of flaked oats. And uh, look, what's, a, what's a ton of flaked oats? <laughs> a couple hundred pounds yeah, of flaked yeah. oats and uh, carrot pills um, for hair retention, some, you know, little um, complexity, a little white wheat. Yeah. Um, you know, what, uh, in terms of those kinds of specialty you know, grains, is there a reason that you chose some of those? No. Well, you know, with a hazy IPA, the, the grains play in the background, um, right. and, and the hops is what you want to shine in those beers. So, um, it's a subtle grain build, no toasted malts or anything in that. So it's just a simple grain build and, um, let the hops, um, shine in those, in those beers. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, the kind of mashed strategy, is there, uh, and then, in ter- you know, feeding into fermentation and finishing gravity, you know, um, you know, is that, what's that finishing gravity goal? And is there any, are there any special considerations along as you mash to, to achieve those? So we, um, um, start fermentation at 68 and, uh, the final gravity is ending up around six and a half. Yeah. So kind of kind of sweet enough to kind of to push and and sell the the fruity character you know of those hops yeah let's talk a little bit about the the hops that you use you, know, you mentioned you're using uh, uh, your cheater hops yeah um, you know how do you uh, how do you evaluate those and, and think about blending hops and also we use um, uh, imperial juice so oh, a good okay. yeast strain uh, yeah. with there to give some more esters and notes too yeah. So on the hop side, we use, um, as I mentioned, a Citra, Mosaic, and Galaxy, which those are um, three hops that can stand alone, but they play um, well together and make nice music. So um, just a hop that I fell in love with. It, you know, of course, Citra is the, the the backbone of a lot of beers and the standard in the industry. Um, Mosaic is a super awesome hop that you know is awesome by itself. And uh, Galaxy use that sparingly just because of the price point, but <laughs> sure, sure, it's uh, super fruity as well. So yeah, we wanted um, to capture a lot of notes, have some complexity in it, and um, I think we achieved that with that beer. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you uh, tag on to Lazy Magnolia and their, uh, you know, their hops, or do you order your own hops in and do your own, uh, you know, kind of evaluation on that? No, we order our own hops, uh, yeast, um, cans, labels, designs. Sure, we, sure. We order every we order everything except the grains. Yeah, yeah. What is uh you know as you are um, evaluating hops? Now you're still a small brewery, and so you're mm-hmm. still buying spot. spot. I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as you as you guys open those bags, like you know, how do you how do you think about those kinds of things? And uh, you know, what's what's your process? Uh, you know, you've come from that cooking background, like mm-hmm. you know, you, as you checking the ingredients before you cook with them like oh, you know yeah. and, and as you mentioned earlier like the quality matters to you for sure so uh you know we try to buy the the um we, we can't pick a lot so we buy the newest um year and um you know rub them finger test rub them with your fingers and <laughs> sure, sure <laughs> so sure. uh w- luckily we haven't knock on wood we haven't had a bad batch of hops i say but yeah. we, um We've utilized Crosby for since um, Centennial, mm-hmm. um, uh, Willamette Valley for a lot of hops, and um, Michigan Hop Alliance. So, sure, yeah, we're kind of I say all over the place, but yeah, we try to figure out what we like and um, who hops. So, you know, you order hops and you keep going back to what you like. So that's kind of our process. So, you know, Crosby they take care of the crops and they have an awesome sure. Centennial. Yeah. So, 
Um, that's kind of our process. Yeah, I know. Really good folks out there. Um, then, uh, you know, so you mentioned you, as you go through fermentation, well, well, I should say as you're using hops, mm-hmm. how, uh, you know, how do those tend to find themselves, you know, between hot side and cold side? So, um, we use in, incognito on the hot side on the whirlpool okay. only. <laughs> okay. Loving hot incognito. Yeah. What do you like about it? Um, you get more yields on it, you know, sure. sure. Um, it, it leaves out that, that grassiness that some on the hot boil can, um, add to the beers. Yeah. Just a clean, just a clean, um, hot profile on the hot side. Yeah. And, and then, uh, on the cold side. Are you pushing later editions or whirlpool editions? Just straight whirlpool. Just straight whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the, how do uh, the hops tend to, you know, how do you balance that between whirlpool and, uh, and cold side? So percentage kind of break out. Yeah, so we only use one pound per barrel, um, one and a half pounds per barrel on the hot side in the whirlpool, and then on the cold side we use three pounds per barrel. Mm. Uh, Mosaic and Galaxy. You're loading that up. Yes. <laughs> Oof. Oof. <laughs> Those are some expensive beers to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about that cold side. You know, especially you know with hazy IPA biotransformation is a big buzzword. You know, mm-hmm. how do you uh, you know what what's that schedule look like? Do you finish fermentation? Post fermentation for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why uh, you know why do it that way? Um, for one. Um, it, I, I just think, you know, let the yeast play, um, and finish their job, but that's just how we've done it, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, sure, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, you know, just let it sit there on, and, and, um, let the yeast, um, flocculate out and dump hops in there and let the hops just do the job, yeah. um, you know, close near in the fermentation. That's just the way we've done it. And I guess we will visit some other <laughs> things, but that's just how it is. With uh, with your yeast choice of uh, imperial juice, mm-hmm. um, why why make that yeast choice? There's all sorts of and you know these lineages of these yeasts yeah. in different kinds of ways. Why uh, why that uh, imperial juice? It's what I use in home brewing. It's what I got you yeah. know samples of, and like yeah. I liked it. And of course, we got samples of white yeast and. Um, some was it up, back when they shipped it out in cans? Was it uh, who the Imperial? Yeah, no, this was in bags, <laughs> okay. the, the little small little yeah, yeah. Um, packets. Um, so we brewed with it once and took to it. So yeah, found what you liked. Yeah, so if it's not uh, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So sure, uh, we sure. we stuck with that and crafted the recipes around it. Um, yeah, it, it it treats the beer well. So it, it you know. Are there uh, any, you know, in terms of the details about how you use it, anything that you've discovered through brewing with it that, uh, you know, in terms of temperature range and, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, other kinds of, you know, fermentation concerns, pressure, uh, you know, time, et cetera, that you find give it the, the right expression for you? No. So we we get it and grow it up. Um, but as far as once you know, we add the wart to it, it's, it's been consistency to you know from the start yeah um like i say we're in somebody else's commercial kitchen brewing beer sure so sure. we don't have the luxury of really playing with that and say hey try this this time you know yeah. so we just kind of keep constant with that um sure. aspect of it but we do change some of the other um aspects of it 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about some of the other beers you brew and some of the, you know, kind of approaches you take, because obviously, you know, you are thinking about this in terms of flavor and in terms of making beer for people who may not be typical craft beer consumers trying to make that kind of connection to them. Flavor is an important touchstone for that. Before we do that, Hey, nano brewers, Fermentus, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation, is soon offering their dry ale and lager yeasts in flexible 100-gram packaging. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentus.com. Also, as a brewery owner, you know how important it is to keep your machines running so you don't have to deal with the hassle caused by contamination, recalls, and downtime. Clarion makes food-grade lubricants to protect your equipment from the wear and tear that results in breakdowns that cut into your bottom line. Clarion gives you peace of mind so you can focus on what you do best, pouring great-tasting beverages. Learn more at clarionlubricants.com. So yeah, Calvin, let's talk about uh, you know something that's not hazy IPA now. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, we did a... Rose L, we called it 528 Hertz of Love and Happiness, um, celebrating Al Green. Um, and we dialed it in with cranberry, a hibiscus flower, white grape, and strawberry, um, raspberry. And it turned out pretty, pretty good, pretty tasty. There's a, an acidic component to this. Like, uh, you know, you, you, this is, uh, uh, you know, so this is a, a kind of a quick soured beer. So, no, um, we actually used a um, wild yeast strand. Wild yeast strain. Um, we used A20, citrus A20, imperial yeast. Um, it has a wild saccharomyces, saccharomyces strand um, to give it that little tartness, um, yeah. funky note to it, almost, you know, to play on the wine side. How do you, uh, you know, how, how do you, as you're constructing something like this in your mind, you know, creating a recipe for it, uh, you know, with those many, that many disparate uh, kind of elements from acidity to, you know, four or five different fruits, yeah, everything. And then malt, of course, component on top of that. Um, you know, talk to me like through that process. How do you figure out how much of each to use and, uh, you know, and then figure out how the fruit acidity plays against the the kind of uh, fermentation acidity? So once again, the, um, the malt is, you know, plays the background in this one for sure. And you want the fruits, um, to shine fruits and the, the tea leaves to shine in this one. Um, and the yeast did exactly what we wanted it to do. Um, create that little acidity, as you mentioned off the bat, similar to wine or, you know, ale, rosé ale sure. wine, um, to get that little tartness. Um, so on, on dialing in, of course, going from, you know, homebrew side to commercial side, you just layer it in um, until you get that right mix of what you want. So what you, you were saying, your process, you'll dose a little bit of something and then dose a little bit of something else and then dose a little bit more and then dose a little bit more and kind of start building up. And then if it needs something of each one of those, you'll correct bump it up a little bit more. So just like salt, you can add, but you can't take it away. So sure, you, sure. you slowly dial it in until you get like that. You know, yeah, it's good yeah. to go. And then I imagine after you've figured that out on, on the first batch and kind of figured it, then you can duplicate copy. that in future batches. Absolutely. Copy, yeah. paste, uh, repeat, you know. How do you go about um, selecting things like a, a tea, you know, to use in a beer? Plan, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, once again, I, I love teas. Um, um, straight note chase so I can taste the notes and the teas and the leaves and everything in the teas. Um so it's just playing with it and putting it in beer and 
letting it letting it do what it do, you know, just manipulating flavors. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times it, eh, it doesn't taste right. You pour it out, but sometimes you will hit some. Oh, that's, that's, that could work, you know. So then you build upon what can work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you've also, uh, you've got a cocktail approach now also to be, actually, before we talk about that, let's, I'm curious about this yeast, you know, that is, uh, uh, Saccharomyces based, but acidity creating yeast, you know, was this, was this beer the first time you started using that? Um, yes. On the commercial side, that's the only beer we've used with that. And it, it creates a lot of fruity esters, um, which that plays well with a rosé, which is super fruity. So. Um, I, I like the way it turned out. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any special concerns in fermentation, uh, as you use it? No, you know, it wouldn't boil over, the, you know, so, and then we dry hopped it with Equinot. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to, you know, add a little complexity with the hop size. So it was love and hoppiness. So we had to dry hop it just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So, sure. yeah. Um, uh, like I say, it turned out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So you got another beer here, the Memphis Mule, you know, that uh, with some ginger and lime, but peppermint. Um, uh, talk, oh, yeah. <laughs> talk to me about, uh, you know, building, because that's a, you know, an interesting kind of uh, of mix. And certainly as you start adding mint into a beer with other things, um, the potential for it going off the rails is is right there. Oh, yeah. We just used a Scotia mint. Um, so, yeah, um, born under bad sign to celebrate Albert King. Um his first album release on Stax Records, and it was also a not. It was a our one year anniversary um, since we we're born in 2020. So yeah, um, it worked out perfect. And the mule is a testament of um, strength. You know, you need a mule in the herd to protect everybody else. You know, <laughs> so it was a it's, it's a stubborn stubborn beer. But it I yeah, think I'm a fan of the way we dialed it in. Did it fight with you? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the Stacks Museum of of Soul later on this afternoon. Uh, yes, because I'm here. It did not exist last time I was I was here in town, um, and so super excited about that. Um, you know, but talk to me about formulating uh, you know this kind of cocktail inspired beer and how you went about uh, you know to building this up. Okay, well to go back to Stacks Records, we did a um, Memphis All Day Every Day IPA celebrating Isaac Hayes with his Cadillac oh, El Dorado. Nice um, on the label design. And we use, of course, we use El Dorado hops in it. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so. amazing. I, uh, you know, I, back in the nineties when I was here, I went down to, I don't know if Club 661 mm-hmm. was a music venue down, uh, 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 you know, here in Memphis and, uh, went to see Public Enemy. 616. 616. Yes, yes, yes. 616. 616. I went and saw Public Enemy <laughs> and it was amazing like just an amazing show and i remember uh isaac hayes came out on stage during that show and it was like everyone just awesome, lost awesome, it. Awesome, just yeah. lost it yeah yeah i've seen ludicrous i saw ludicrous in 1999 in that venue oh nice so yeah i've been in there as well so uh but let's talk about again constructing this beer um, you know, as you think about, you come at it from this beer with that idea of building a cocktail inspired beer, but also adding your own twist to it, to, to make it a Memphis mule and not a Moscow mule. Um, you know, you know, talk to me about that creative process and how you went about evaluating ingredients, uh, you know, the varying components and, uh, and getting it dialed to where you wanted it to be. Sure. We used, um, dried lemon peels on the hot side. Um, um, and then on the cold side, we use 
of course, ginger and lime um, puree. Also, um, like I say, we just use the Scotia mint leaves to just give it a little that mint nose. What do you think? It tastes like a Memphis, like a Memphis mule. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Um, you know, are there any other, uh, you know, how do you, would you decide, to, you know, to build a base from, you know, obviously with this, the ingredients and the, the flavors that people expect out of it need to be there and you don't necessarily want that malt to overshadow that, but it's also, you know, got some, uh, it is not a see-through beer, you know, it's, it's got some, uh, you know, haze to some it. haze and some, some tooth to it. It's essentially a pale ale that we didn't, um, filter. Um, or sock filter, anything. We just um, let it shine. No, I'm, I take that back. We did sock filter it. Sure, yes, yes, we did. We did sock filter it um, just because we didn't want the, we had to filter out the, the mint leaves. Um, so, yes, it, it's a it's a clean beer, but it's still hazy for sure. We use oats in the mash. Yeah. Um, why just to soften the overall thing and mm-hmm. make it a little bit uh, uh Give it round off some of those edges. Yeah, of course we didn't go crazy with it, but yeah, we definitely put some oats in there just to, like you say, soften it up to make it. Yeah, soften it up for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, did uh, did anything about building this uh, beer uh, frustrate you through the process? No, it's um, it's a, that's the fun part to me, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that the fun part. Just dialing it in, like I say, you can you can add, but you can't take away. So you slowly dial in, and you know. Try, try, and try, keep trying to you. Sure, sure. Get it to where you want it. As I look through this kind of, uh, you know, uh, catalog of beers that you are making, uh, I see over and over again ways of connecting with people in a community, um, you know, from building a, hop, a hazy IPA like Space Age Sippin' that references uh, some popular Memphis rappers to sensational IPA for Penny Hardaway who came here, played at University of Memphis before he went, played for the magic and other folks. And, uh, um, you know, building these, and of course this Memphis mule, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the, uh, Isaac Hayes beer, the Al Green beers, like these are, they, they're an attempt to build a connection, you know, to this kind of musical legacy, history, sports history, you know, everything that Memphis is known for. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you've thought about making, like, like connecting beer to people and, the, and other things that people have an affinity for. So our, our whole premise is celebrating the Memphis community through the love of craft beer. And so that's our focal point. That's what we think about every day. Um, sharing soft stories of Memphis with the world, um, through the love of craft beer. And, um, so far, I think we've done an okay job. We could do better. Uh, so yeah, we're still, you know, focusing on Memphis and the and being intentional about the label designs, can art, um, and the, the liquid inside it to create some liquid art. So um, and celebrate Memphis and make Memphians and people proud for sure. As you, there's also a challenge in doing this because there's certainly rights involved. There are relationships, you know, you, um, you can't use some things and then some people, even if you do like skirt that line of what you can do, mm-hmm. um, doesn't always rub people the right way. You know, um, how do you navigate some of those challenges, making sure that, 
you're doing right by the folks that uh, that you're referencing through these things? Great question. So we we definitely reach out to everybody that we air quote celebrate on on labels and make them aware or you know share with them what we like to do. If they say no, let's not do that. So we won't do it. But we get so you check those things through uh, all the folks before you do them. Yeah, we check the boxes. Um, A Ball and JG partnership. They've been a great team. Um, super awesome guys. Um, Isaac Hayes' daughter, Veronica, gave us permission to go in Stax Museum, take a drone, do some filming and all that good stuff. So it's been pretty cool. Um, we did a Hypnotizing Minds where I reached out to DJ Paul, talked to Penny about it. So, yeah, we, we are intentional about reaching out to people and saying, hey, we'd love to celebrate you on label design. Um, just had a meeting with somebody Tuesday about doing something um, first of the year with them. So, yeah, we, we definitely want to make people aware and, and make sure we celebrate them in the right way. So, yeah, we're just not doing beers and not, you know, ignoring the people. Um, like I say, it's a collaboration and a celebration. So we want to be intentional about reaching out to those people that we celebrate on can art. It seems like a fair and a human way to do this, especially in a, an environment now in craft beer where it seems like there's no amount of intellectual property theft that uh, some breweries won't engage in. Um, you know, but when, certainly when you're talking about people, likenesses, and their creative product that you might be referencing, whether it's their music or songs, like, you know, creative people, other creative people also, you know, want to protect and, and, um, you know, uh, support the legacy of what they've made and they may not want somebody just referencing that, you know, for sure. Um, and get, you know, but rather than getting into legal trouble at the same time, I think there's that flip side, which I think is interesting for you where some of these folks also love Memphis and they love the idea of a local brewery also celebrating these parts of Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody that, that is, you know, uh, you know, especially coming up, you know, f- you know, from that black community and making these things. Oh Yeah. So, um, like I say, we um we're in intention about reaching out and sharing what we're doing, just so we won't um determine what is it culture vultures. Um, so we don't want to we can we don't want to um, be a vulture to the to the culture. We want to be a part of it uh, of the culture as well. So, like I say, we're intentional. We loop people in on what we're doing and um try to share and let get their approval or whatever. So if we if they don't like it, we won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, where do the ideas come from? Memphis, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Memphis, I'm like I say, space age sipping out. You I'm just a- sit around and drink beer and think about, <laughs> Oh man, we should, we should totally do this. Oh yeah. And then you just keep a running list and then, you know, reach out to folks and for sure um, things hit and then they make them and then, yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge music fan. Uh, I was been a fan of eight ball MJG, um, growing up and uh, it was awesome to, work with some some guys that you you know admired or loved their music for so long turn into a you know business relationship so that was that was pretty cool and like i say it comes from the music i grew up listening to um and still do so it's easy there's a little mm-hmm. bit of hip-hop and beer connection obviously now going on it's mm-hmm. it's cool to see that that uh you know from run the jewels which have definitely been pushing i mean they've got a whole like you know beer collaboration office and everything else going mm-hmm. but uh nappy roots you know there's you know this it's it's bubbling up there it's oh, yeah. it's happening those are my guys down in atlanta atlantucky for sure yeah so yeah um no it's um uh, it's uh it's here you know um hip-hop is here to stay people thought it was going away years ago but you know hip-hop is part of, part of the culture at large and why not celebrate it um on 
during through craft beer. So yeah, yeah, and I love that. You know, again, your approach is spans the blues and hip hop and this kind of Memphis Memphis music. I uh, listen. I listen to it all for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So let's zoom out a little bit. Um, you know, right now your contract brewing down to Lazy Magnolia, in Mississippi. Um, you've been building a brand. You've got you know multiple. We can call them SKUs. I just hate calling beers SKUs because it seems to like depersonalize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got these different beer brands that you've developed that you're brewing down there. That you're moving out of the Memphis market. Is it primarily Memphis focused at this point? Then yes, we're only um, distributed in Shelby, Memphis, and Shelby County proper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we've had conversations with other um distributors out of state and different areas but right now we're just um tending to the Memphis market. Yeah. What's uh what's the next step for you? Uh we're working on um a physical location. We've been looking at buildings. We started looking at buildings in 2019 and um 2020 it, got weird, you know. Yeah, like something see, happened in the world and all of a sudden <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Got really weird. So here we are. We, so we want to get beer. On, uh, so the building search um, took longer than we initially thought. And then, of course, with the build out process, as you know, it's another um, timeline. So uh, we want to get beer on the shelf just to build a brand and grow brand awareness. Sure, sure. Um, um, here we are. You know, we, we achieved that goal. So now we're back looking at um, some commercial real estate, some buildings to um bring 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 the brewing in, um to our backyard and have a tap room where people can come sit at the bar and we can tell our story um sure. in person. Sure. Do you have investors that are invested in this brewery that are that are funding this? Um well I've been bootstrapping it, you know, my <laughs> <laughs> yes, the investor is me, you know. Oh man. So okay. Um, okay. so far. But yeah, we do have investors um yeah. in commitments for sure. So yeah, it's gonna yeah. take more than my little um, thin pockets um, to make this thing a reality for sure. Sure, sure. I mean, that's that seems to be the the hardest problem that everybody faces is how to how to pay for this. And uh, you know, um, yeah. So, uh, but in an expansion and building physical location mm-hmm. means a whole different budget for sure. So, you know, we achieved that um, a hurdle by getting the brand on shelf and building a brand with some products so investors can see sure. what the brand is and get a feel for it and the, the mission and the goal and um, how we operate, and how we want to operate. So it's it's a lot easier to sell at this point with investors and banks and everybody. So. It's yeah. coming. That's yeah. how it is. It's yeah. coming. Um, and this is a, I mean, it's a normal process. I talked to, uh, you know, I've talked to other folks that are primarily contract brewing in the past here on the podcast and uh, some of whom who followed up and I mean, every, every, everyone's looking through that. Like, how do we raise capital? How do we, uh, you know, take these next steps that we need to make, take, and there's a whole bunch, you know, you can do it through debt, you can do it through investment, a whole bunch of different ways. Um, for, for you though, with Beale Street, like what's the goal? What's the big picture goal? What does success look like for you and Beale Street Brewing? And uh, how will you know when you achieved it? Success looks like f- today. Uh, success can definitely change over time. So sure, sure. today is um, getting getting the, uh, um, our own brew house um, tap room where we can, um, like I say, um, control our beer output and have more um, labels, SKUs that you don't want to call them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, and, and I guess, you know, you can move your experimentation from your homebrew setup off to, uh, an actual little pilot brewery. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, we have a couple projects that we want to do, um, along with, you know, an initial brewery tap room. 
So we want to, you know, distribute our product or share our beers outside of Shelby County at some point for sure. Um, what does that reach look like? The simple answer is I don't know. But, you know, at some point we definitely want to get outside of Shelby County and share our product to the world, you know. So people um, seem to be receptive of our product, so we want to share it with them. Yeah. Is there a- – if there's one musician that you haven't worked with yet that you could work with, who is it, who would it be? Eh, you know, I'm not going to pigeonhole oh. myself. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely won't pigeonhole myself to say one. So, no, we uh, Memphis has a lot of awesome artists um, we want to celebrate. We got some things in the works we're celebrating, um, some artists. So, um, yeah, I can't pigeonhole myself and say one. Fair enough. So, so the, the short answer is we've already done it with 8-Ball MJG with Space 8 Sip. And like I say, I was a... I am, not was. I am a huge fan, and uh, that was an awesome collaboration. And uh, Birdcap brought that project to life with the label design. So it's uh, it's been an amazing product so far. That's awesome. And people that's- seem to like the liquid, so lived up to the, the legends themselves. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, that's the, the pressure. When you start working with other people and putting their their name on it, they, they want it to be good, too. Oh, like, absolutely. If it sucked, then uh, <laughs> you know, that wouldn't, wouldn't last for very long. Not at all. So, yeah, they're, they're pleased with the project and how it came out. So, uh, yeah, everybody's happy at this point. So, Well, that's great. Well, Kelvin, thanks for joining me here on the podcast. I'm uh, I'm gonna get around Memphis this afternoon. I got a whole, and then I'm, I'm gonna be spending this afternoon, uh, you know, doing reunion stuff back at Rhodes. So yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I um, hope I live up to the hype and or the uh, hype of the program and um, enjoy being on here. And thanks for you know once again, thanks for having me. Hey, you know, it was fun meeting you last year in Richmond, and it's been fun to you know as I tuned into your social media, kind of watch how it goes. I love Memphis and I love the idea that you're building a beer brand for Memphis and that it's all of Memphis and not just part of Memphis, you know, that it's, uh, you know, that, that, I mean, that's a, it's a cool and important thing to connect craft beer to audiences that may not all think of themselves as craft beer drinkers. Uh, and it's an important thing for us to showcase G and D chillers will hit 28 degrees without breaking a sweat. Sativa is ideal for aroma, whirlpool and dry hop additions to hazy and juicy IPAs. Old Orchard prides themselves on consistent quality and reliable supply. Equip your brew house with equipment from Pro Brew to brew like a pro. Nano Brewers try fermentous dry ale and lager yeasts in 100 gram packaging and make your system 100% food safe with Clarion lubricants. Of course, if you'd like to support this podcast, go to beerandbrewing.com. Click on the subscribe button if you're a pro brewer. Check out the All Access Pro subscriptions. We are pushing great content out there weekly from folks like Stan Hieronymus, Kate Bernat, Ben Keen, etc. It's a great way to stay on top of all the latest things happening in the brewing industry. Kelvin, if people want to learn more about Beale Street Brewing, where do they find y'all? We're on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Beale, B-E-A-L-E, S-T Brewing, Co on Instagram and just Bill Street Brewing on Twitter and Facebook. We hadn't started TikToking yet, but maybe at some point. And the website, BillStreetBrewing.com. See all our beers and Instagram stuff. So um, website, social media, we're out there. I subtly threw in a y'all right there because hey, we're back in Memphis right now, and I, I yeah, gotta, man, I gotta say, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you up for some uh, some uh, barbecue recommendations here in a second because, like I said on the uh, Alma Mater podcast that uh, aired two weeks ago, um, Memphis is a little bit better than Kansas City when it comes to barbecue. Um, you know where where it fits next to like Austin, uh, 
that's a little more debatable. It, but it depends uh, on what 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 uh what cut of meat you want. Memphis pork and brisket in Austin. You know, oh, yeah, that was yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. I'm gonna hit you up for those racks. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining me on the podcast, Kelvin. Cheers. Thank you, thank you. Cheers as well. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew.